Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. I'm not taking anything away from Tua. But it hasn't been since Alabama that these receivers were this wide-ass open. I have no idea what Mike McDonald was doing. Like, Mike, that's Tyreek Hill over there. (laughs) You're playing man-freaking-coverage from off. That's Tyreek Hill, okay? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us, as always, on the ones and twos. Michael, what a week two that we saw. But unfortunately, the biggest story happens to be in San Francisco, where Trey Lance suffered what is likely a season-ending ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't want any player to ruin his season with an injury. And we kind of talked about this, right? One of the reasons they signed Jimmy G back was they were going to run Lance a lot. And when you run a quarterback a lot, the propensity for injury. Now, nobody wants the poor kid to get a poor an ankle injury. I get that. But, you know, look, it, it, it happens. And the 49ers now have that that insurance policy that they bought back a couple weeks ago that we thought was a really smart football move is really going to cash in. I mean, it's a Lloyd's of London account here, baby. You got it. I mean, they're into it now. I thought Femi, and I'm sure you watched the game. It was boring as hell, but I'm <laughs> sure you did. Uh, I thought the players, just the, the energy that Garoppolo gives the players, like you can, they can put out all the bullshit they want out of San Francisco about Lance and all that. There's a sense of gravity that pulls those players to, towards Garoppolo, who, who I really think, they didn't say I, I didn't listen to the broadcast. I was on mute. But there's a zero chance Garoppolo got more than 15 reps last week at practice. I 100% agree with you in terms of the reps that he got. He was think about training camp. He was on the side field, wasn't really practicing with the Not team allowed, yeah. because they all thought they were going to trade him. And then no trade came to fruition to where now he's back. So he got limited reps, if anything, in training camp towards the end of it there. And then probably this week, very few reps at all there. But for not playing much during training camp or practicing much, I thought Jimmy looked pretty solid there. And I understand why the guys would be galvanized by Jimmy because they played in a lot of big games with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, and he might be their comfort food to where they feel comfortable with Jimmy G behind center. Now, I agree. I mean, he's their meatloaf. I mean, seriously, he's their meatloaf, you know, or whatever your comfort food is, Femme. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. But you're right, he's their comfort food. 
but you could just feel it. Like, I, look, nobody wants nobody wants Lance to get hurt. Nobody wants that. But you know, un- unfortunately, this is the this is the NFL. We we get quarterbacks get hurt if they run too much. You know, and I, there's freak injuries that happen to guys. Dak Prescott. I mean, this is two weeks in a row now. We lost a starting quarterback. So. Start out with 32, now we're down to 30. But the 49ers had had a great insurance policy with the guy that let him back. Now, I don't think there's going to be – because of he's he's not coming back, you know, this is exactly the situation perfect for Jimmy because Jimmy can play for the next contract with a really good team around him. Because let's face it, when you watch this game, Seattle was never in the game. They were never in the game, right? I mean, the front of the 49ers, you know, really dominated the game and – it was just one of those where this is a young Seattle team with two starting tackles that are rookies. It's a hard game for them to play against a really good front and a fast defense. Seattle offensively is atrocious. The only touchdown they scored was on that block kick that we saw towards there in the second half. That's how they got that TD on the board, losing the game 27-7. to But I want to go back to the Trey Lance side of this thing here, Michael, because from my vantage point, this has got to be a disaster for his development and also for the Niners who got to get an evaluation on their first round pick from a year ago, who now after two seasons has only started four games, three of them he made it all the way through. So you don't really have the data points for Trey Lance to make some sort of evaluation because year three is next year and we're still not going to know whether Trey Lance can play or not. Well, I mean, look, there's only two people that, that, that need data points. That's, that's John Lynch, the general manager, and Adam Peters, the, 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 the assistant GM. That's the, those were the two motivating factors behind this. So they're the only ones that still hold out hope. I, I'm pretty sure everybody in the building kind of has a sense of where Lance is and where he's going. I'm sure Kyle does as well. But the fact that he didn't play as a senior, he didn't play as a rookie, and now he's not going to play in his second year, that's three years of missing football. I mean, mm-hmm. Ted Williams went to, had to go serve in Korea and came back and still hit 400. Like, I don't know if Trey Lance can do that. Like you, this is hard. You know, this is a hard thing for him. And look, the Niners are going to, you know, once the season's over with that, that's the end of Garoppolo. They got to hope they can get a compensatory pick for him. But you know, they're no, they're, they're such a good team though. It's hard for me to believe that, that they were going to get this far without a quarterback. And now they have one I, I, for Lance. I think that's just on the back burner. You know, we'll get to that later. Yeah, that'll definitely be an off-season discussion there because I think in the long term, the Niners are really put in a bind knowing that Jimmy G is going to go elsewhere after this 2022 season. But this year with Garoppolo at quarterback, they're still fine. Most teams, you lose your starting quarterback for the rest of the year. It's a disaster. Jimmy G is right behind there, ready to take this team uh, and go deep into the playoffs like they did a year ago and like they did in 2019 when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. Here's what Garoppolo had to say after the game about returning to the field and the unfortunate injury to Trey Lance. Just like riding a bike. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, felt good to be back out there. Just feel terrible for Trey. Uh, I've been on that side of it. This league is tough and, you know, Everest has their share of injuries, but that, that sucks for him and feel bad for him, but he's our brother and, you know, we'll pick him up. My question to yeah. you then, Michael, is do you elevate the 49ers in your power rankings with Jimmy G now at quarterback? You know, it's funny. I was going to ask that to you. I mean, what are the odds of them getting to the Super Bowl? I think they probably increased, right? I mean, look, this defense is dominating. I mean, Seattle only had seven third downs in the game. They were two for seven in, the, in, in third down in the game. They only got 14 first downs. 14 first downs. I mean, they just dominated. Uh, I mean, 
they just dominated the game. Uh, you know, they had 16 plays on one drive and they had five first downs and then they had three first downs on the last drive. That's how good they were during the course of the game when the game was on the line. So, I mean, look, it, 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 I, I think this Niner team can go as far as their injury history takes them, as far as they don't turn the ball over. They're good. I mean, they're really good. I mean, yesterday, when you just go through the rushes and, 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 and completions, I mean, they had 60 to Seattle's 38. We're talking about higher level execution, right? That does, again, rushes and, rushes and completions don't indicate who's going to win, but it indicates who's really executing. And San Francisco's execution took off. And what I was, what I was somewhat amazed by was they, you know, they were able to run an offense that they probably weren't practicing because I'm sure Kyle had a, on that sheet he's got, he had a lot of quarterback runs on there, mm-hmm. you know, that he had to pivot to another sheet. Like, hey, go get me the Seattle game plan from last year. Can you and bring it out? Because these are the plays we got to run, right? <laughs> I can see that because they've mentioned that on the broadcast about how they've practiced a lot of these runs with the Trey Lance scheme. Now it's going back to what we've seen in the past from the Niners. At our show sponsor, DraftKings, the Niners 9-1 to to win the NFC and 20-1 to to win the Super Bowl. So they're right there in the mix. Their odds didn't really shift as much because they do have a competent quarterback behind Trey Lance. And Jimmy G is going to be the guy for the remainder of this season, we all believe, after Trey Lance goes and has the ankle surgery. But, Michael, I wanted to get to the craziness that we saw once again here on this NFL Sunday. I thought the NFL Twitter account actually made a perfect tweet yesterday evening, and it was simple. It was, it's not over till it's over. And we saw a number of comebacks yesterday afternoon. And I want to start in Baltimore where, man, Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins erase a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit, win the game over the Ravens 42-38. to Tua, Tyreek, Waddle, they were explosive. They were outstanding. What were your thoughts watching that game unfold yesterday? I, I thought Tua was back at Alabama. I thought he was playing in Tuscaloosa on, <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they scored 28 points on 21 plays in the fourth quarter. Wow. Think about that. 28 points in 21 plays. I have no idea what Mike McDonald was doing. Like, Mike, that's Tyreek Hill over there. <laughs> You're playing man freaking coverage from off. That's Tyreek Hill, okay? That is the best receiver in football. He scares your death. You, most guys wear a diaper when he's out there. Like, we're going to shit our pants, right? You got zero cover. You're, you're playing off coverage with no press. And it was pitching. Car- I mean, look, I think I'm not taking anything away from Tua. But it hasn't been since Alabama that these receivers were this wide-ass open. It really hasn't. In the fourth quarter, come on. I mean, it was so – I mean, I think he made a great throw on third and 13 to Gusecki in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike rushed two on that play. He rushed two. Like, there was any time – if you watch the tape, and I did this morning, if you watch it, anytime they put pressure on him, it was not good. When he had time to check the runners at first and third – before bringing the ball to the plate, oh, it was great. I mean, he was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing it. It was a great comeback. But Baltimore played a huge role in this comeback now. I mean, let's not make any mistake about it. I have no idea what they were thinking. Let this guy have free access down the field? I mean, we're not running. This isn't the Olympics. Like, we're not, like you can jam the guy before he comes off the line. The guy was 15 yards. The first touchdown he caught, he had a, almost had a fair catch, and he stopped. He was so far behind. I don't know what Kyle Hamilton was doing. There could mm. be a 30 for 30 on him. Like how he's on the field and on the deep third, I have no idea. But uh, if he is, somebody's got to go after him. But the reality of it is, is to me, two things happened in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this is, this is never, ever publicized 
by the analytical community because it didn't work. But Baltimore goes for it twice on fourth down in the game. They go for it once in the one-yard line, and they fumble. Mm -hmm. They go for it once in the field, they don't get it. Okay? Those two fourth downs are costly. Those fourth downs are costly. I thought Lamar was sensational with a capital S. Yes. I thought he was unbelievable. I think he didn't deserve to lose that game at all. I mean, he drove him down, got him in the field goal range, you know, and I think they they try to take away the timeouts. But what happened to Baltimore, more than anything, Fem, is they scored on one-play drives. I mean, so this game, mm-hmm. I keep track of explosive plays, right? That's plays of over 20 yards. Baltimore had six explosive plays in the game of over 20 yards. Three of them went for touchdowns. Oof. So you don't need any clock up when you do that. Again, I'm not apologizing. You know, you, you want to score when you can score, right? But, you know, and then Miami had, 20, had, had six explosive plays, two for touchdowns. It's really insane, the offensive output that we saw from these two teams. Like you outlined, the Ravens had 8.8 yards per play. The Dolphins had 7.9 yards per play. Both of these defenses were struggling. But Miami's defense, credit to them in the second half, at least were able to make some adjustments there, especially in that fourth quarter, limiting Baltimore to just three points. But just to to, to kind of uh, hammer home what you were talking about with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, Hill had 190 yards receiving on two touchdowns. Waddle had 171 yards receiving and two touchdowns as well. Two of 469, six TD passes, two interceptions. Are you Should've buying? Are, are you buying into this? Okay. Uh, on the last drive of the game, he throws an interception. The kid drops it. The, la- the not the the before, but oh, it was the play before. They didn't, they, Mike McDonald didn't even put any press coverage on, on Tyreek Hill and he just ran by him on the, on the left sideline that he was, I mean, he was so far, like when you played little league in your backyard, when you played touch football with your friends, mm-hmm. like nobody's even that open on that field. Like he was so freaking wide open, but on the play before Tua throws an interception, I mean, they dropped it. That's the game right there. They dropped it. And because they dropped it, they they lose. I mean, you can go through a lot of these games when you drop interceptions. I mean, look, I mean, Baltimore in the fourth quarter, you know, just didn't, weren't, wasn't able to get control of the game like they did. I think they felt like they were going to coast, mm-hmm. you know, and they got a bet. So they have a dropped interception, right? Miami drops an interception too. Now on that last drive where they get three points, Howard's got the ball in his hands and he drops it. And then they then they went into three bad plays on offense, and they got the holding call, and they had to settle for the field goal. But to me, uh, look, you know, you got to you, you know, you're up thirty five to fourteen. You got a big lead. You give up all these points, there's you know, and you let them score twenty eight points in seven minutes and four, you know, and all that time and twenty one on twenty eight points on twenty one plays. You don't deserve to win. But I, for me, like I think this is an aber- like there's no defensive coordinator that's going to go into the game and say we're going to allow. We're not going to jam him. I mean, we're going to see a lot of cover two against Miami. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot of deep safeties. This, 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 you look, Miami. If they don't make big plays, let him work the ball down the field. Let him work it down the field. If you give up a big play like that, I mean, you deserve to lose. It's Tyreek Hill, Femi. The whole too high coverage that Kansas City saw last year was a direct reflection of what Tyreek Hill can do down the field and the Ravens I guess didn't want to have those safeties back they thought their corners could run with Tyreek Hill not sure what they saw on film that led them to that belief but we they all saw how it played out the red zone. they rushed two in the red zone the throw he makes to Gusecki 
he there was nobody within 10 yards of him. He the two rushers were were pat, he stepped up in the pocket and 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 he threw it I mean like it was unbelievable. Like seriously, if you're John Harbaugh and you're watching that tape today, like you call Mike McDonald like Mike, what are we doing here? Like mm-hmm. for us to win this game, we got to take Tyreek Hill out of the game. We got to make two of beat us with tight window throws. We got to rush inside. We got to get somebody in front of Tua. He just admitted to the world that he can't see everybody. So when we allow yeah. him to have a lane that, you know, who's the greatest bowler of all time that could have bowled down the goddamn lane? I mean, like, seriously, again, I'm not taking anything away from Tua, but if you think that, if you think that's going to continue down the road, come on, please. That's an ab- that game's an aberration, and you can watch the tape. Sit down and watch the tape with me. Like, I could show it to you. There was a- he was at Alabama again. He was literally at Alabama. Those receivers were so ass wide open. It was Alabama playing Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Six TD passes for Tua, and the Dolphins now 2-0 and as they go ahead and have the comeback you know, victory 42-38 over Baltimore. I, 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 as I say that, I think you got to give Miami credit here in the sense yes. that they copied Alabama's game plan. So, And what do I mean by that? They went to elite skill, elite skill like Alabama always has against their opponent, right? Mm -hmm. They went to elite skill, separation skill to build around their quarterback. They're doing everything to make Tua successful, and you got to give them credit for that. you got to give them credit for that. Do I think it'll work in the long term? Do I think Tua's going to be a top-20 quarterback? Probably not. Do I think that he can win a Super Bowl with that team? No, but that skill is the the Alabama game plan that's now now in Miami, but there's defensive coordinators that are going to do a little bit different than what Mike McDonald did yesterday. Miami is absolutely frightening on offense. When you look at their skill guys, we talked about it during the, the off ball, season. Femi. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to dare them to run the ball. New England did it. New England, yeah. New England held them to what? 20 points last week and, and, what, yeah. and made them and made them work the ball. They gave up one big play, 41 yard to Waddle and, and they scored 10 points with their defense. I mean, New England did it. New England just made sure they took Hill out of the game. He still made plays, but you you can't allow that free access. He waited for the ball for the on the first touchdown. He was waiting for the ball. He was so far behind him. Like he's remarkable. He tilts the field. Mm-hmm. Do you realize what would have happened if if he was available and Al Davis wouldn't have been able to trade? Oh my God. <laughs> He'd be wearing wearing silver and black. Oh, he would, oh my God. <laughs> he would have been wearing he would have been wearing silver and black coming out. I mean. Like, this guy is a freak in this sense. He is explosively fast, explosively fast, and he is explosively quick. You don't get those two combinations very often. He's a rare player. He's rare. You know, I'm reading this book by David Marinus about Jim Thorpe and talking about Jim Thorpe's athleticism. I mean, this is kind of like there's once in a lifetime you get somebody like this. He is a rare player, and they have a four-by-one team for their skill position. Guys, also in the AFC East, Michael, we saw a big comeback from Robert Sala in the New York Jets. Sala kept oh, the receipts is what he told us. He kept the receipts of all of us who are banging on him after last week's loss to the Baltimore Ravens. But get this, Michael. At 133 left to go in the game, the Browns led 30-17, to 17, somehow lose the game in regulation, 31-30. Joe Flacco leading the comeback there as Sala lives to fight another day in the Big Apple. So every, after every game, right, I have, a, I, have a, I have game sheets that I go through, right? So, I, you know, I recap the game. I watch the tape. I, I go through the fourth quarter. You know, I look at the drives. I go over third down. I try to try to do all the stuff. And then I, when I watch the tape, I try to put my real quarterback rating grade on it. Mm-hmm. And everything Cleveland did 
is exactly what you have to do to close out games, right? They got Cleveland scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. They got first downs in the fourth quarter. They were good on third down. You know, they had 13 first downs in the fourth quarter yesterday. 13, right? The kid misses the extra point. So that's a problem, right? So that killed him. The extra mm-hmm. point killed him because now all of a sudden, and 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 then and then what happened is I don't know what Amari Cooper was thinking about, but like Amari, you're on the hands team to go get the goddamn ball. Like yeah. seriously, go watch that play. Like Amari, you're killing us here. And then they blow a coverage. The last thing you can do when you're in that situation is give up a one play touchdown. You know, to Corey on the left side, you can't blow a coverage. Yeah. You just can't. You can't make that mistake. Like there was so many things that had to get in line for for the Jets to come through. And it all did. And, and it, you could play that game 100 times, 99.9% of the time, that ain't happening again. I mean, look, I gave out the Jets as one of my picks on Sunday, Femi. I liked them at mm-hmm. six and a half. I will say this. I handicapped the game completely wrong in this way. I was completely wrong on this. I thought the game was going to be 2013. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, I mean, 2017, 13. I thought it was going to be a low. The, the total was 38, Fem. It was 38. <laughs> Like that's what the that's what the, and so because it was thirty I mean like and the Jets were favored by dogs by six and a half they're a good play who I mean they scored seventeen points in the fourth quarter I would have bet you they couldn't score seventeen points in the fourth quarter if there wasn't a defense lined up against them. <laughs> No, we talked about it on the Thursday episode. I bet the New York Jets as well, plus six and a half. And I said, may God have mercy on my soul. Apparently, he had a lot of mercy with how that game played out because I wrote it off as a loser, Michael. I was like, all right, this is done. Whatever, not going to watch the game. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting the notifications of, wait, wait a minute. The Jets are in this thing. Let's go. And then they end up coming up with the victory there. What did you make real quick of Nick Chubb scoring the touchdown after we saw the Jets take that final timeout? You know, I, I mean, look, I, I think that's, you know, I've seen Nick. I was on a, t- a game he played, I think it was Houston, and he went down on the one-yard line. Yeah, he I, went out. And I, was on the, and I was on the other side of that play, and I got mad at him for not scoring. So this is a payback. I, I kind of like, okay, I was on the right <laughs> side this time. I mean, look, I think that's what you got to do. I mean, D- Damian Harris did the same thing in the New England game. I mean, he's running. I mean, he stopped short of the first down. He went down. He made sure he got down, he, mm-hmm. but he stopped short of the first down. I think it's just, you know, Chubb typically has done that before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but look, look, I mean, seriously, how can you fault Chubb? You got a 13 no. point lead with under a two minutes to go in the game. They don't I don't think they had any time. Maybe they had two timeouts. I don't know. But like and Joe Flacco, who's on the other field, like there's a pretty good. <laughs> and you got Miles Garrett rushing. You, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win this, right? Yeah. I don't I don't blame Nick Chubb for that at all. That was on the Cleveland Browns defense. All right, Mike, let's take our first break on the other side. Brady and the Bucks and the brouhaha by the Bayou here on the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops 
driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, Michael, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers finally get a regular season victory over the New Orleans Saints down there in New Orleans. 20-10, to 10, Tampa scores 17 points in the fourth quarter to go ahead and improve to 2-0. What did you make of the Bucs here? Defensively, I thought they looked awesome, but offensively, the struggles continued. Yeah, they did. I mean, look, it was uh, what? what? What was the game? It was uh, uh, it was 3 nothing at halftime, Yep. right? So... You know, it was a back and forth. I mean, look, the, the fourth quarter, Tampa had six possessions, you know, and they only got five first downs in the fourth quarter, and that's where they scored all their points. I mean, you know, so, you know, and meanwhile, Jameis Winston was the guy that we've remembered from Tampa before. You know, he had six possessions in the fourth quarter. He had four turnovers. Mm. So it was a game of turnovers. It was a game of defense. And, you know, the will of Brady just is so good. I mean, he's just, you know, he didn't play his best game. You know, they didn't really fought. Fournette didn't run the ball. I mean, the Saints ran the ball effectively, but they just couldn't they couldn't maintain drives. I mean, you know, when, for Brady to win, when you hold Brady to 260 yards, you should win the game. Right. You should win mm-hmm. the game and you hold Brady to 20 points. You, you should not that the Bucs isn't aren't good on defense. But to me, you know, Brady was in 17 third downs in the game, 17. Like that, that's a lot of, that means there's a lot of, you're not, you're not playing Canadian football when you're in 17 third downs. Right. And it's hard, you know, to me, that's the essence of football is how many third downs can I force? Right. Everybody wants to be in third and manageable. It's the most ridiculous conversation to have at all times. I never want to be in third and manageable. I want to be in first and 10. I want to get first downs and two downs. I want to play Mm -hmm. Canadian football. I want to stay out of that third and manageable because if a ball gets tipped, or if it gets hit, I mean, this is where, you know, we'll get to Carolina in a minute, but this is where Carolina loses to the Giants. They're two for 12 on third down. They're yeah. two for 12 on third down, you know, and so they can't convert third downs. And so they, they you know, they got a guy wide open. He overthrows them. You know, meanwhile, the Giants are in 18 third downs yesterday. They were in 18 third downs, only converted six of them, you know, and they, and they, they never got Daniel Jones to make a mistake. So to me, with Brady, when you hold him to five, when you get him into 17 third downs, the other thing that means is there's no big plays. You're not giving up big plays when you're in that many third downs. So, you know, I just think to me it's a, it's one New Orleans kind of let slip away. How good is yeah. I think New Orleans is a good team. I, I'm not I'm not saying they're not. I think they're still a good team. I just think to me this is one of those where it was a defensive struggle. Credit both coaches for, for battling through. And then I think the score – being up, you know, where it ended up being is a little even higher than what it was. Yeah, only only four yards per play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the victory of this game, but the five turnovers for New Orleans was kind of the difference there. What did you make of the Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore? Their rivalry continues, and it's now boiled over the top with those two both getting ejected yesterday in the game. Do you think that we could see a suspension for either of these guys coming forward up and coming to week three? 
Oh, you know, I think they get fined, right? If they do it again in the next game, I think mm-hmm. they get suspended. But I think they're going to get heavy fines. And, you know, look, it's not good for either team. I mean, you're really hurting your team when you do this, right? You know, we need you on the field and we need and they need him on the field. Like, it's not good for anybody. Like, we got to play with poise and confidence and we got to play under control. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. And when you lose your best corner and you lose your best receiver when you're already down receivers, that's a problem. Yeah, this rivalry is uh, – it's a bit – Quickly vaulting up the power rankings, in my opinion, of rivalries in the NFL just because of those two with Evans and Lattimore. You touched on the Giants and the Panthers. What what in the world happened there with Carolina? I, th- I thought that they were the better team, but if you, if you go back to the f- beginning of that game, fumbling the kickoff, and then the next drive, fumbling that ball, just hand get, hand-picking six points for the New York Giants right there, and that ended up being the difference. A gift, right? So they start the game off. You know, They, they, they fumble on the kick, opening kickoff, hold them to three points. Next drive, they're just trying to get out of third down. They're just trying to get away from it, right? And mm-hmm. next thing you know, they fumble that. And so, you know, then and, and that was a two un, really unforced errors. The other thing is Carolina couldn't force any turnovers. And then when they got the lead 13 to 6, they really couldn't put any pressure on Daniel Jones to make him have to make a mistake. You yeah. know, they got him in a I, I thought the key to them winning was getting him in a lot of third downs. But they didn't make him pay for third down. They, he didn't really feel uncomfortable where he turned the ball over. Look, they lost. This is two weeks in a row. They lost a turnover battle, and and they they're two to love. They they haven't they haven't forced a turnover in two weeks. Now everybody talks about how fast they are on defense, which is great, but they can't. They haven't turned the ball over. So if you're not going to turn the ball over, and you're turning the ball over, you know it, it's hard to win. It's hard to win. And I think they got into the fourth quarter and they had a chance to, but they just couldn't make enough plays. And what what happened during the game was Martindale decided that look. I'm going to stay in nickel the whole – I'm going to play dime the whole game against you until you run me out of it. McCaffrey had a good day. That's why he had a good day running the football. Yeah. But but he would rather – he wanted them to keep running it, and and Mayfield got in a lot of third downs, and he was unable to convert. Some on his fault, some on the defense's fault, some on the receivers not catching the ball. I mean, they got a third down in the red zone. They hit uh, Shy Smith, I think it was, and he drops it. He yep. might have gotten the first down there, you know. And the red zone kills them, too. You know, Carolina's one for four in the red zone. You know, if you want to write down how do you lose football games, number one, turn the ball over. Play shitty in the red zone. Don't convert third downs. That's Carolina right there. And then I think the other thing for Carolina is, and this happens with a lot of new players, is Carolina's execution isn't very good right now. They had 37 Mm -hmm. rushes and completions. That's all they had. Whereas the Giants are not losing games. They're They're not playing fancy. But their execution's pretty good. They had 55 rushes and completions. Give them credit. They executed better than Carolina. And Carolina still had a chance to win the game, right? But yeah. the, the execution of the Giants, and this is important, they, they executed, and then the Giants didn't lose the game. The Giants said, okay, if we got a punt, we'll punt. We'll go for it on fourth down. Whatever it is, we're not going to lose this game, you know? And so uh, – you know, and so that that's 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 to me the formula for winning. And unfortunately, it puts Carolina in a bad hole. They got to show mental toughness and dig out of it. They got New Orleans coming in this week. Look, the one thing we know here's what happens after week two of the season. I think what forget your record, forget your record. Like after two weeks, you, you, instead of worrying about the opponent, you need to circle the wagons and say, okay, this is who we are as a football team. Whether you're two and zero, one and one, zero and two, right? you got to sit there and say, okay, for us to win, and we've played two games, we've played eight quarters of competitive football, here's who we really are. We can rely on this. We can rely on that. We need to improve this. We need to improve that. But this is kind of who we are. 
And here's our best players, and here's what we have to do. And I think to me, week two is more about, as you prepare for week three, it's more about self-scout than it is advanced scout. This game, to me, it felt like it came down to one team taking advantage of the turnovers and the other team not. We saw Daniel Jones wanted to throw a pick six to Frankie Luvu in that game, and he just dropped it. He just dropped it. I mean, he had two <laughs> picks. He, he threw two picks. He dropped it. That's why, you know, everybody, like, we wouldn't be having this conversation about Tua if, if William, I think it was William, the safety, if he would have caught the ball on the, you know, if he would have caught it. I mean, you know, look, that's why they play defense. I guess they can't catch. You know, <laughs> I, I used to have a reel when everybody was talking about how great Andrew Luck was. And I think Andrew Luck was a great player. But when I was in the league, I used to have a reel of how many, you know, how many Andrew Luck's interceptions were dropped that mm-hmm. he didn't get that, that literally were like, we, we would take us two hours to go through the tape. Now, I'm not, look, <laughs> it happens. But the, when the team gets their hands on the other ball, right? When you can get your hands on the other ball, it's, it's hard. Real quick, Michael, do you believe in the Giants at 2-0? No, of course not. Come yeah, on. They're, Femi, they're, yeah, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, let's seriously, they're let terrible. them enjoy it. Now they got Dallas coming to town. I mean, look, they'll have a hard time blocking Dallas. There's no denying that. Oh, yeah. They're going to have a hard time blocking. And, and, and look, Daniel Jones made enough plays. It's great. We're 2-0. Like, let's not give away. I mean, let's not go ahead and give the Stanley <laughs> yeah. Cup to somebody right now, okay? Start spreading like, the news, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, like I said on the show on the Lombardi line on Saturday, you know, like the book has a hard time identifying bad in college, right? Mm -hmm. We have a hard time identifying really good in pro. Like the Giants have to play a certain way. They they have to play mistake free, no penalties. You know, they can't they can't beat themselves. Give the ball to Barkley, limit what Daniel Jones does, manage him correctly, which they're doing, and then hope for the best. Michael, let's take a quick break, but on the other side, beep, beep. (laughs) The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE, that's code SHUFFLE for new customers, to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael, it was a wild one yesterday afternoon down here in the desert for the Raiders home opener. They blow a 20-point halftime lead to the Arizona Cardinals. And I thought this game really was the microcosm of the Cliff Kyler experience for the Arizona Cardinals. They they make you want to pull your hair out, but then somehow they leave you with possibly being a little bit optimistic. What did you make of the Cardinals come from behind 29-23 victory in overtime? 
You know, I, I think, look, the body language in the first half wasn't good. I thought, you know, the Raiders had chances. The red zone in the first half kind of messed – you know, they didn't score touchdowns. They kept the team in. They got three points in the – they didn't convert a third down in the second half. And I think that, and I think they wore down. I think chasing this guy all over the field is problematic. You've got to score. So every time I'm watching a game, and obviously I have a vested interest in this game, just mm-hmm. like I had a vested interest in the Carolina Giant game. Right. Every time I'm watching a game that I was a part of, I would always say to myself at halftime, how many points do we think we need to win the game? Okay. Mm-hmm. What number do we need to post? And I didn't care if we were winning 20 to nothing, if we were down 13 to five, 13 to seven, it didn't matter. Like to me, I could, I was pretty accurate on being able to predict what we needed to win. And when I was watching that game, when it was 17 nothing at the half or was it it was 17 nothing at the half it was right? 20 to nothing at the half 20 nothing at the half right so when, I, when it was 20 to nothing at the half i said they need 27 to win they're going to need 27 to win and they got 3 instead of the 7 and look they they did things that you can't do you know hunter renfro had six fumbles last year Femi. six led all receivers in fumbles he's had three in two games wow they got away with one last this week, yesterday, when he fumbled on that from behind. Mm-hmm. And then Simmons comes over and gets him. And then he fumbles again. It costs them the game. And so, look, I think the Raiders have, have got to find out who they are. They played a doubleheader on defense, and chasing that guy around is hard. And when you make it a playground game and you don't get in front of Murray, like if you don't get in front of Tua, he's going to make some incredible throws. I mean, the throw to Hollywood Brown in the end zone was unbelievable. But I'm going to ask you. I couldn't find the holding call on fourth down in the end zone. Did you see it? I didn't really see it. I think they called it on the hurt on the uh, Zach Ertz play. Uh, they, that's where the replay at least showed. But it, it seemed a little ticky tack to me. It looked, and he was out of the pocket. Like it, it like it. That was, a, and then on the on his touchdown run at the end of the game to tie the game. They, that, I mean, they, they tackled the defensive lineman in there. It was right in front. Usually they call that, and the defensive lineman put his hand up, and you know, and all that. But look. When you don't get first downs in the second half, right, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't make plays in the red zone and you don't get the ball to your best player, you know, you're, you're, you, no matter who you're playing, you're, you're, you have especially a team that's got a good offense that can make some plays, and they were tired. They didn't tackle well. And then when they didn't tackle well, then Williams started to run the ball more effectively on them. You know, I, I just it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, a, it's unfortunate. But, look, the Raiders got to pick themselves up. They got to figure out who they are. And they got to get Carr to play better, right? They got to get Derek to play to the level. Like I had him in my blue red chip categories. And so far after two games, he hasn't been to the red chip level, right? I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he would probably say the same thing. He's got to play better. Got to protect the boys. He checks. One of the things that bothered me in the game, he checked into a play in overtime. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a good play. Because I could see it in his eye that he checked to a look. He knew the look he had. And he checked it, and he made the call. I didn't know what the what the play was because I don't know the terminology. But um, and then he threw the ball, and Adams is wide open. And he threw it three yards behind. I'm almost got picked off. You remember the play? Mm-hmm. And and, and I'm like, wow, you, you know, you had time to make that throw. Like, you know, where 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 yeah. did that throw come from? You know. And so look, credit Arizona. You know, one thing around you keep a team hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. You know, and, and they got to find a way to win. I mean. Look, they were perfect in the red zone. They were perfect in the red zone, and and that's why they were able to do it. And you know, they got them in a bunch of third downs. They were th- Arizona was three for thirteen on third down and won the game. That's... But here's the key to the game: they got four first downs on penalties. 
you get four first downs on penalties. You know, the Raiders had tw- the Raiders had ten pe- the, the Raiders had ten penalties in the game, and the, and they had and they had uh, and they had twelve and uh, uh, twelve. Arizona had ten. Ar- Raiders had twelve. Uh, Ar- excuse me. Arizona had twelve. Yeah. Why do you think they struggled so much to get Adams the football? He only had seven targets. I'm looking at right now from the box score. Mac Hollins, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro all had more targets than Devontae Adams. Two catches, 12 yards. He had the opening touchdown in this game on that fabulous opening drive. Why did they struggle to give him the football? I think they were playing a lot of two-man to his side. So what does that mean? That means they put a guy over him and they have somebody behind him. Mike McDonald, pay attention. That's typically what you do to a great receiver, right? You, you put a guy to jam him coming off the line so he has a harder time getting in his route and you have somebody covering him on top. But that's not, you know, that's not an excuse. They, Raiders have, you know, they're going to see this all the time. They, they Like in mm-hmm. Green Bay, they saw it all the time. They found a way to get him the ball. They, they got to find a way to get him the football. All they needed was one good drive. And they just couldn't make it. They just didn't get that in. And they've struggled in the red zone. They, look, the Raiders have lost two games to open the season. You know, two really close games. And... You know, and and partly they haven't is because they haven't been able to play as well as they need to play in the red zone. In an alternate world, I think this Raiders team is two and zero. But in the world that we live in right now, zero and two in the most difficult division. That's why you have to stop with the looking at the records. You got to focus on yourself because you know the Giants could easily be zero and two too, right? And the Panthers could be two and zero. You know, and you know, and and and, you know, but if and buts, we know how that goes. But (laughs) as a coach and somebody as an executive in the building, you just got to say, "Hey, look, fuck the fuck our record. It doesn't matter. It only matters what we do. Let's not worry about getting ready for a team Y or team X. Let's worry about fixing what we got to fix." And when you're a new staff, you know, and you spend time with Carr in the off season, and you spend time with all these players, you start. You think you know who they are. But you really don't know until you get into the game. You really can't know that. And so now you've been to two games. You've played eight quarters. You've been under some pressure. You know, you've had to make some calls. So now you can start figuring out, okay, I think we overloaded them here. I don't think we have enough here. I think we need to do this here. You know, I I think we need to be more of a 12 team than an 11 team. And I'm making all that shit up. I don't know. But that's Mm -hmm. what I would be working on. I would be focusing more on who we are as opposed to who the opponent is. On the flip side of that coin, the Cardinals survive what would have probably been a disaster start to the season going to 0-2. Kyler Murray, I thought he was terrific down the stretch, able to make those schoolyard type of plays. Do you think this this could be a season-defining kind of win for them, or is this kind of just delaying the inevitable? I mean, look, I think if you play him the right way, I thought, you know, I think the Raiders got tired. You know, the Raiders have just got to be Chandler Jones hasn't given them what they thought he would so far. Right. I mean, he hasn't been up there. He has not been harassing the quarterback. And I thought he would have this game against D.J. Humphreys. So I credit Mur- when when you let Murray move around like they did. And, it, it, and if you're the defensive coordinator of the Raiders, Pat Graham, and you look at where Murray made all his throws and, and who was around him, you weren't around him enough. You didn't make it hard for him. And when you make it easy for him, he's really good. He's really good. And when you can make him run around and tire your defense out, he's really good. And when you don't get third downs in the second half and convert any, that means your defense is playing a double header. You know, I mean, they had the ball for 36 minutes in the game, fam. Your defense mm-hmm. playing a double header, man. It's hard to play double headers against Murray. You get tired. The 22nd play was probably the longest play I've ever seen in NFL history where he was just running around, running in circles and ends up they scoring that touchdown. And, they, they, and then nobody was in front of him, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and look, look, again, I go back to the fourth day. I mean, they had the game one, and I don't know where that flag came from. I really don't. 
but that's the NFL. You yeah. just, you know, that's the marge. That's the thin line between these games, right? You know, if they don't throw that flag, the Raiders are rejoicing and Arizona's 0-2. They, they, they throw it and all of a sudden Arizona wins. It's the margins of the NFL there with the Byron Murphy. Shout out to Byron Murphy, Washington Husky, uh, scoop and score a touchdown to win the game in overtime. Let's keep it moving, though, Michael. The New England Patriots, they get into the win column this past Sunday, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers 17-14. to I think the score was a little closer than what we actually saw on the field. Or do you agree with me with that? Because I thought the Patriots were just the better team from opening kick. Yeah, I think the Patriots' defense was real. I mean, two weeks in a row now they've played pretty good, even though they weren't great on third down. I mean, they they were bad on third down. Eight, they, they allowed Pittsburgh eight for fifteen on third down. And some of them were long yardage third downs too that Pittsburgh converted. I, I think I think they you know Mac Jones has got to stop turning this ball over. Like to me, he's too carefree with yeah. the football. Like, yeah, what's going on like, with him? Like, I, I, but that's what he was last year too. Like you got to stop this shit. Like that interception he throws is bullshit. Like the guy's double covered. You can't make that throw. Like you can't make that throw, and then you can't come off the field like all pissed off. Like that's that was a dumb decision. But I mean, they got their offensive line going, and I think that's the difference in this game. Their defensive line dominated up front. And look, you know, I, it's a long, long gonna go with Mitchell at quarterback. I mean, it's going to be a long, long go. They can't move the ball. You know, you know, they got 15, 15 plays on their first drive of the game, and they had five. They had, in fifteen plays, they got five first downs, and, and all in one drive. I mean, so like they had a hard time. And where did New England win the game, Fem? This is what you got to check every week. New England got six first downs on 23 plays in the fourth quarter. And they, and they controlled the ball at the end of the game. And Pittsburgh never got it back. But I agree with you. I mean, people say, well, if, if Gunner doesn't drop the ball, they don't win. Well, I mean, no. you know, this is one of the few mm. games. This is one of the few games where the field goal kicker missed, you know, you know, uh, Falk missed a 52-yarder, which is a hard – that's a hard place to kick. I don't fault him for that. But I thought the, I thought the red zone for the Patriots was bad at 1-3. and three. I mean, that, that was a real issue. How about the red zone efficiency from the Detroit Lions, the hard-knock oh, Detroit Lions, Michael? They defeat the Washington Commanders 36-27. Jared Goff, 20-34, 256, four TD passes. Amon Ross St. Brown, nine catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns. They averaged seven yards per play. This Lions offense, despite the injuries that they had on the offensive line going into this game, they kept on trucking another 30-point performance for Dan Campbell's crew. You know, I'm an idiot. I want to admit that right here. I, I, I gave I, when I did Chris Russo's show, I put picked Washington. I, I, on Chris Russo's show on Friday after Same the night, here. we have this <laughs> the, we have this contest, right? So I picked New England. I got the three with New England, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is to me that went to two. I took Jacksonville with the four. It went to three by Sunday, and then I took the I took the Commodores, and you know, and I mean, look, they I, I thought they were playing well offensively. Femi, the first half, the first half. They went out there and they had six punts and a safety. That's their first half. I mean, they dug a hole for them so big. I mean, mm -hmm. it was unbelievable. And so they can't stop the run. I mean, even Swift wasn't even, they couldn't stop the run at all, you know? And so they, you know, and they couldn't get, they couldn't really get off the field. They gave up six explosive plays in the game. I, I just think to me, it, it, you know, I mean, I, I, every time I want to, every time I want to like Washington, I look at they had six punts and a safety in the first half, and yeah. you wonder why you lose. And then they never can play defense. Like, nope. you know, he didn't make any changes to a defensive staff. He brought Del Rio back. Said it's all going to be because we communicate. 
But they were really never in this game because Detroit, for as bad as they are on defense, Detroit played better defense than Washington. And Detroit's offense, you know, I mean, when they could protect Goff, they got some players. I mean, look, they're like them in Chicago. It'll probably be a close game, but they're way better than Chicago. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have one of the better offensive line units, I think, in the National Football League. He didn't play. He didn't play. Neither did the guard. Their interior offensive line from training camp was all out. And they were able to move the ball at will against at a Washington will. front that's supposed to be first-round talent. I mean, Washington couldn't stop the run last year. If you look at their numbers last year on the run defense, they were horrible. I think they were 32nd in the league allowing teams to run the ball in on. Like, but, but again, you know, Ron Rivera said, there's nothing wrong with our coaching. It's the, <laughs> we just got to get better communication. Well, now year two, how's that communication? Is Alexander Graham Bell coming in and consulting here? I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> You think Jack Del Rio survives this uh, debacle in Detroit? I mean, yeah, they'll they'll survive it. Although, I mean, they, look, they, they, they've taken look. None of them would have survived year three under Daniel Snyder's administration. But he's been neutralized. He's been sent to Elba. He's like Napoleon off the coast of Italy. They they got him out of the building. <laughs> he's he can't rule. I mean, Napoleon used to sit over there and write letters and just kind of think about how could he marshal his forces again. I'm sure that's the same thing he's doing. Snyder, like, get me out of here. I want to go take this my team over. I'm firing somebody. I mean, it's been two years since he's fired somebody. How do you think he's feeling? He's probably got the shakes. <laughs> I mean, think about it, Fem. You think you think you think Rivera would have made it through fucking year two? I mean, are you kidding me? Fired Marty Schottenheimer when he went eight and eight. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's probably got the shakes. I haven't fired anybody in two years. I got to fire somebody. It's a disaster in, in Washington, at least what we saw defensively yesterday. Real quick, Michael, last game I want to hit you with here before we wrap up uh, this upcoming segment here is the Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl champions. We expected a big bounce back from them, but it looked a little shaky at times. Defeat the Atlanta Falcons 31-27. to Are you growing concerned with what we're seeing in L.A.? I mean, look, I, I, I think the, the turnovers have got to stop. He's got two more turnovers. They had a block mm. punt for a touchdown. I mean, this game it was never in doubt. They were always in control, but they Atlanta slipped back in, you know, and 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 so, you know, when you get, you know, they had th- they got three points in the fourth quarter. They had five first downs and they had two turnovers in the fourth quarter. When you're going to play sloppy like that in the fourth, no matter what your lead is, you're going to give it up. And, you know, and so to me, I think there's a lot of things they got to clean up. I'd be still worried about Stafford. He just turns the ball over too much. I mean, another two interception day. Yeah, they just pissed me off. I, I laid the 10 points with them. They were up 20 yeah. to 3. I thought I was good, and then I wasn't good. They only win by 4, so I, thank you for, I, I for that. I gave out San Francisco, and I thought Green Bay was a good – I didn't play yep. it on my thing, but I thought Green Bay was a good – because I just don't see how Chicago's ever going to score. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see how they're ever going to – and look, I have debates, but Justin Fields completed seven more passes. That's 15 pass completions over the course of the season. <laughs> I still believe, Michael. <laughs> I still, I still, Go ahead. I, I know somebody I will not somebody I love dear in my heart is with you on this. So we'll go. I'll leave it at that. All okay? right. All right. I okay, st- it's good to have family arguments, fam. It's exactly. It, we'll have a, we'll have a round table come holidays when we actually get some I'm data. Gonna, actually, you know what I'm gonna start doing? I'm gonna start include you on the family chat so that you can get involved <laughs> since since you're involved with him too. There we go. I still believe there's something there. Uh, I want to see how it plays out the rest of the way. All right, let's take another last break here on the other side. We're gonna do some awards and preview the double dip on Monday Night Football. All right, final segment here, Michael. We want to get to some of these awards before we get to the double dip on Monday Night Football. On the lamb, it's going to the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they can't block anybody from me. We said that. I mean, the Dallas was a seven-point dog in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, here's two things that are happening to the Bengals. They can't block anybody, and they can't make explosive plays. They can't make explosive plays. So when you don't make explosive plays, you know, they had no explosive plays in the game. And they had, it took them, they had, it took them 15, 15 plays, 17 plays to score a touchdown in the second half. It took 19 plays. One drive took 19 plays to score a touchdown. When you're behind and it takes 19 plays, you're eating up a lot of time, you know? And Dallas was able to do enough in the fourth quarter. They got, they were 14 plays in the fourth. They had four first downs. They weren't great on third down. But look, let's face it. I mean, Cincinnati's offensive line, which I thought was going to be much better. Mm-hmm. They're not. I was completely wrong on that. And their execution is, is the shits. Their execution, you know, they can't get it going. They couldn't get the running game going. They couldn't, they couldn't make plays when they need to. And they can't get the ball to chase. I mean, ch- they need chase to make an explosive play. That's what he was doing. And right now they're not. True or false, regardless of position, Michael Parsons is one of the five best players in football. Yeah, I think he probably is. I mean, he, he's, he's awesome. He's so he's good. Like, and here's what makes him so good. What, what I think people don't always understand about his talent level is he can do it anywhere all over the place. So he can do it from two-point stance. He can do it from a three-point stance. And when you can isolate him on those shitty guards or somebody that can't block him, then he becomes a problem. And now it's like, you know, you, you're basically, you've got a point guard that can get to the rim on anybody. And that's who he really is. He's like a point guard who can get to the rim. Because if I line him up over... The, the over the guard and I got the tackle and the other and the center covered up. I got a one on one, and I think and I think that's where they've done a great job. I mean, this line to me, we we like Dallas on the show, and and it was because to me Cincinnati's just not good enough offensively up front. I mean, they're just not. And Burrow's getting the shit kicked. I mean, sacked again six more times, mm-hmm. six more times. Yeah, I thought Parsons kicked Lyle Collins' ass, and that was one of the big differences in that game. The Fred Palermo best game plan of the week goes to? The Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, look, they shut out. Mike Caldwell gets his first shutout as a defense coordinator against Frank Wright. I mean, they were never in the game. They couldn't block them, Femi. Jacksonville Jacksonville did whatever they wanted to the Colts' offense. They They couldn't even get their running game going. I mean, this Colt team, and I will stand on the table, and we'll talk about them in a second. But they were never in this game from the first play of the game. They never were in it. And I, and I got to give Peterson credit. He decided finally after watching the Washington game where he ran the ball, but he threw it way too much. He did a good job of managing the quarterback, allowing him to have some balance. And I thought Lawrence played really well yesterday. If you don't know, now you know. Where do you want to go with this one? Uh, I, I think every game comes down to the fourth quarter. I mean, look, it's comeback weekend, right? <laughs> I, I mean, look, nobody's out of a game. Nobody's out of a game. And if you don't keep scoring, if you don't keep scoring, like I, JVT was saying this today, I saw it on Twitter, these you know teams that, that, that play not to lose, I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're playing not to lose. But I think they're playing a little too conservative. You know, I think they're kind of like, okay, we got to run the ball, but they can't. They can't. Mm-hmm. So you're betwixt and between. I can't run it, right? Like the Panthers went the first game of the year. They got first and 10 at the Browns 20. And the Browns have three timeouts. They're just not good enough to run it in there. And so they run it to take away the timeouts, and they lose the game on a, on a 60-some-yard field goal, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, it, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And so I think you got to have a way of, of moving the fo- – like Houston. Like Houston's a 50-minute team. 
They'll play your asses hard. But when the game comes on the line and they got to make a play in the fourth quarter, they can't do yeah, it. They it. just can't. They're just not good enough to do it. And that, to me, is the essence of football. Is is now you got to know you got to find a way to where what's going to how we can win the game in the fourth quarter. The David Ogilvie Award. Who's the fraud this week? Oh, it's the Colts, and it's on me too. I'm the fraud because like yeah. I thought they were good. I, I really them. did. I thought they yeah. were good. And people say, well, you know, Matt Ryan sucks. I told you Matt Ryan sucks. Okay, well, you get behind the, you get hit as much as Matt Ryan does in those two games to tell me how you feel. Like, let's, like, yeah. like, okay, he might be done, but he's not getting any help. He's not getting any help. And the idea that I thought he would be good with, which was build around a running game and play action pass, well, you can't run the, well, you can't win a game when you're by, you can't run the ball, you're down 24 nothing. And then they couldn't run the ball. I mean, that, they're probably the most disappointing team to me in my handicap in this offseason. They really are. Because mm-hmm. I thought the offensive line, the running game, an upgrade at leadership. I didn't think Ryan was going to be a blue chip player, but I didn't think he was going to get the shit kicked out of him either. Yeah, they ran the ball well. Nine carries, 54 yards for Jonathan Taylor. They just couldn't do it as they got down big in that game. Matt Ryan, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, a passer rating of 34, QBR, 6.3. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, let's preview some of the Monday night games. You get two of them tonight. Titans yeah. at the Bills, Vikings at the Eagles. Over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, the Bills laying 10, and then also the Philadelphia Eagles, Fly Eagles Fly, two-and-a-half-point favorites against Minnesota. I mean, look, I, I don't know where you were on this game, but I'm going to take Tennessee in the 10. I gave it out as one of my picks, and, and only because I think Vrabel's a really good coach. Mm-hmm. And I think Vrabel understands i got to manage this game. And I think they're really fast on Tennessee's defense. I think they're fast. And I think they can, you know, they're tough and they're physical. And I think they'll understand how to keep it. Gabriel Davis, I don't know if he's going to go tonight, but if yeah. he doesn't, that'll hurt. That'll hurt them. And look, you've got more time to watch this single wing offense of Buffalo. I, do I think Buffalo wins yet? I just think 10's a lot of points in this game. What do you think? Yeah, it, it was a non-contact injury for Gabe Davis, which popped up on Saturday, adding him to the injury report listed as questionable. If he doesn't play, that puts a lot more attention back on Stefan Diggs here. I just, I don't, I, I can't do it. I can't step in front of the Bills, just not soon. I want to see some more, but I don't want to, I stepped in front of the Bills on opening night. They made me look bad. So I'm going to lay off of this game here, but your thoughts on the Eagles taking on the Vikings too of the uh, dark horse teams that people love. Look, I think we're going to get a true test of the Eagle defense. Last week against uh, Detroit, they were 4-for-4 four four in the red zone, allowing points. Last year, they ranked 28th in the National Football League in points given up. Uh, and I think this will be a little bit of a track meet. I think the Eagles, and I've said this offseason, and it proved to be, I think the Eagles are a lot like the Utah Jazz. I think they're a hard mm. team to play in the regular season. I think they're a hard team to play in the regular season. I think they can run the ball, and he'll run the ball well tonight. You know, I think Donatello's going to have to get used to the game and kind of feel himself around with this run game that they have and their skill players. So I, I, I like Philly tonight. I, I think, I think, but Minnesota's good. They got to take Jefferson out of the game and, and Philly's got to prove they can stop people in the red zone. Yeah. I like the Eagles tonight too. I, I think the Eagles win this game and they don't win it going away, but I think they at least win by a field goal, which is, the, that's what you need to cover. Uh, but Michael, it was fun, man. Week two was a lot of fun. Hopefully we get some great games coming up here tonight with the double header on Monday night football. As always, thank you to our entire crew. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Vison. Thank you to our producer, Steven Bond with the ones and twos. As always, thank you to you, Michael. And we'll talk soon on Thursday to preview week number three. I can't wait, Femi. Thanks, Femi. Appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen Bond. <laughs>